You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. Another world, another time, in the age of wonder. There was once a dream, you could only whisper it. Anything more than a whisper, and it would vanish. A battle between good and evil. You don't know the power of the dark side. Where shall I find a new adversary so close to my own level? Try the local sewer. You know of the rebellion against the Empire? The Avengers, Earth's mightiest heroes. Peace means having a bigger stick than the other guy. One of these days, I'm gonna have a stick of my own. I'm Groot. Welcome to the Neverland Podcast. The podcast for lovers of Disney, Pixar, Marvel, and Star Wars. I'm glad you're here to tell us these things. Please welcome your host, Jeremy. I thought he'd be taller. Yeah, I can find All it takes is faith and trust. Well, if it isn't the Star Spangled Man with a plan, what is your plan today? Up to Neverland! <laughs> Take your pixie out of your pockets, Neverlanders. Sprinkle some of that pixie dust around. Grab your happiest, hap, hap, happiest thought. And fly away to Neverland. Because I, of course, am your host, Jeremy the Spider Pan. Your pan head of the Lost Boys. Yes, yes, soak it up, soak it up. So, uh, also, though, we're not alone. Because guess what? Lost Boy Eric is back. Where? My back's right back here. Uh, He's He's like... Right behind you, I think. Oh. He's like right there. I'm pointing. I can at my see back. him. He's looking right at me. <laughs> so, hey. Oh my goodness, we you've been gone for quite some time. I have been. I have been. I've been uh, living a Robinson Crusoe-ish life, perhaps. Trapped on an island somewhere. <laughs> yep. Got... Hanging out with somebody named Friday. Yep. Yep. Every Thursday. On Thursday. I don't know where I'm going with that. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea where I was going with that. But uh, you had an anniversary and your birthday at was in Walt Disney World. Yes, yes. In fact, I will admit it's. Uh, I've had my uh, 22nd anniversary of my 21st birthday. Ah. <laughs> so, and your kids didn't get to go with you on that, but you're actually about to go down. In the Orlando area, yes, yes, but not quite into the parks this time. Well, we're we're, we're going to no, not going directly into the park, but we're going to spend a little bit of time on Walt Disney World property. We're going to you know check out Disney Springs a bit more. Uh, we'll show our kids where the parks are at. We might even hop in and say yeehaw to a certain buddy of ours. Awesome. So, he likes taking pictures with people's kids so they can get photos. Yes, he does. He does. You know. However, if anybody out there in the uh, you know Magic Kingdom uh, would like to, I don't know, say sign me or Jeremy into the parks one of these days, sure, you'd have to fly <laughs> me down there too. <laughs> true, true. But uh, no, I absolutely fell in love with the Walt Disney World Resort. Um, you know, I cannot wait until I have the opportunity to go back. In fact, we're even talking. You know, if we're able to do annual passes again next year, we may forego Disneyland and do Disney World instead. Ooh, although so, you'd have to pay a little bit more for that. Uh, actually, uh, it's a little bit less than the really? uh, Disneyland price. Yes, the uh, you know the full pass type that we had is currently a thousand dollars at Disneyland, whereas mm-hmm. the similar pass at Walt Disney World is eight hundred and forty-nine dollars. Is that a per person, or would that be for both? That, or, is, or per person. that is per person. That is per person. So, uh, yeah, we can save uh, close to $1,000 if we did uh, Disney World instead of Disneyland. Yeah. 
Hmm, gee, I wonder. Well, when I start working more regularly, because you know Heather has told me she's uh, her next contract, she's going to have a significant amount of pay increase at least. Uh, and when I graduate next December, I should hopefully get a good pay increase when I get a more solid job than what I'm doing now. Who knows? Maybe we can afford a pass, and I'll just have to drive down there. Because you know? I don't think I, it might be cheaper for me to drive down than it would be to fly down. I think mm-hmm. I don't know. Well, and of course, if I, if I get a radio station to sponsor a trip to go down there, just because of the audio we could collect. There you knows? go. Well, and, depends and, upon the conditions of hiring me. <laughs> well, and and I do have to admit, I do have a little bit of pixie dust on my side when it comes to traveling. You know, I do work for uh, one of the airlines here within the United States, uh, so you know, I do. Mm. That is a benefit that I try to take advantage of, and it's helped us out. Uh, by going to Kansas City a couple of times already. Yeah, gotten to come to Planet Comic Con a couple years. Exactly. We still have the KC convention. The K- Although, I, you know, I have never had a panel at the Kansas City Comic Con. I need to figure something out and do something. <laughs> need to remedy this. Need to remedy this. <laughs> I'm usually just there as press, but we haven't done a panel there yet. All right, we'll work on that. I, am, uh, I, I was eyeballing even uh, some of the information I was given by... Thank you, WaltDisney.org, on the agent for that represents a lot of actors, including a lot of voice actors that have done some work with Disney. Maybe I can get something worked out. I'm hoping it's not going to cost me to get them to come and do a panel with us sometime. I don't know. We'll we'll just have to see what I can get figured out. So would be we'll, good. we'll try. Would be good. Or at least have them <laughs> guests on the show sometime would be awesome. Mm-hmm. So I'm working on that. In fact, I'm working on an idea that I had, which I like to call third host. I would like to more often have guests on the show, and they don't have to be celebrity guests. They could be other podcasters. Or, you know what? If we have a listener who wants to jump in and be part of like a topic that we're going to have on the show, that might be fun. Hey. We get to interact a bit more. So, oh, yeah. Uh, I didn't get a chance to really set anything up this week, but... Going forward, and if you even have an idea for something we should talk about on the show, and you want to jump in and talk about it, send us an email. Hey, and it would be great if that flaky Eric guy, you know, decides not to show up one of these weeks. Well, but then we'd be down to two again, and I, I want to have three, because I've noticed conversations are great with three people. Mm-hmm. Like, last week's show was, you know, me, Philip, and Seth having great, fun conversation, and really listening back on that when I was editing, that was a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I'm thinking, you know, get that more conversational thing going. When you have three different people, you get three different perspectives, and it, mm-hmm. it adds an extra element of fun. And so if we can get that as a regular thing, and I'm like I said, I'm going to call it third host, and it'll be mainly talking about our whatever our main topic, which, of course, this week, which we haven't previewed in today's show, you don't know why you're listening yet, other than uh, we'll try to talk a little bit about uh, Eric's trip, of course, and the Walt Disney World. Uh, but it's Mother's Day! Yes! Yes! So... I compiled a list of about every Disney mother I could think of, going through Marvel and Star Wars and Disney and Pixar. And so we're going to just honor them all, even the evil ones, which you realize, I realized, even though there's a whole fairy tale thing about evil stepmothers and all that kind of stuff, I couldn't find that many. Yeah, you, you have to get a little bit creative when it comes to Disney mothers. Yeah, and I tried to get the significant ones, not just the ones that were like a walk-on, walk-off. Mm-hmm. You know, I wanted someone that's significant. So that will be a fun conversation. But along the way, of course, uh, I, I did see a new trailer this week, but it's not, I don't think we can really talk about The Predator uh, no, on our no, show because no. I have a feeling it's going to be an R film. So I'm like, yeah, I don't think we can really talk wait, about wait, that. Wait, one. wait, 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 wait. An R film? What? what does it involve Arr. pirates? Maybe it, w- maybe it should. <laughs> that would be an interesting movie. A predator that lands, you know, comes to Earth in the middle of the age of pirates and lands on a pirate ship and. I don't know. Or the pirates have to team up to fight a predator. 
or something. I don't know. Oh, uh, like I can weird... see Jack Sparrow walking up. Yeah, problem with your mouth, then, mate. <laughs> that you're you're uglier than anything I've ever seen. Yeah, something I don't know. <laughs> but you know, because we had an aliens versus cowboys, why can't we have some sort of alien versus pirates next? Why not? You know, that could be the next great thing. Why not? Pirates versus yes! robots versus aliens versus Dracula. Exactly. <laughs> and a zombie apocalypse. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It could all happen. <laughs> so, but uh, oh, sorry. Before we even get into news, there's this. This was something that was actually popped up as a news thing, mm-hmm. but I have to bring this up because uh, this is sad and it also has a statement on our society. But there was a woman, she's a bit overweight, went over to Universal, tried to go on the uh, uh, the big ride there in the world, the Wizarding World of Harry Potter, the in the Hogwarts ride there. I forget what they call it, but they have safety restrictions for both if you're too small. Or if you're too large for a ride, and she was not able to get in, and she, I guess, went on an entire rant and blogged about it and all this stuff, and basically now Harry Potter and the whole Universal and the whole park system is all fat shaming because even in the Harry Potter books and movies, the Dursleys are big about being overweight, and Crabbe and Goyle are supposed to be big fat dunces, according to her, compared to the life of vampire Draco who orders them around. She went on this ridiculous rant, and this does remind me, you know, like uh, Lost Boy Philip, which you all heard on the show last week. He was overweight when he was down there, and he was not able to ride the ride, but he was able to tour around Hogwarts, and he did not complain about it. But what he did is he did something about it, and he got himself in shape and lost a lot of weight, despite having a lot of tumors in his head and all these medical problems that he has dealt with. He didn't make excuses for himself. And I'm overweight, and if I couldn't fit on a ride and it's because I'm overweight, that's my fault. It's on me. It's not because they're shaming me. It's on me. I take personal responsibility. And I saw this article, and I was just like, are you kidding with me? But I think this is where our world has gotten, where now if, you, if you're concerned even from health or your safety, at any point somebody will find a way to be offended about it. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the thing is, um, Universal does a very good job of having the basically the ride vehicle itself sitting outside the ride, so that you have an opportunity to sit in it, uh, pull the harness down over your head, and see if it can accommodate you. Mm-hmm. To be honest, myself, I tried the first time that I got to ride Harry Potter in the Forbidden Journey. I uh, had to squish everything down. I was able to get onto it. Uh, the second time I rode it, I was a little bit concerned I might not be able to do it again. Yes, it is tight, but this is a very, uh, to be honest, the, the ride throws you around quite a bit. Um, you're not sitting in a uh, roller coaster car, you're not sitting in a dark ride car. This is something completely new, something completely different, and it's designed to withstand these forces that are uh, tugging and pushing you different directions, not just you, but three other people in the same vehicle. So, you know, in order to provide the right experience that it does, uh, it does require, you know, that, you know, there's this median range of uh, body sizes that will be able or that it can accommodate. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like at Disney, you have a lot of dark rides. Size doesn't necessarily matter. But on a thrill ride, uh, I've been here at our local theme park, Worlds of Fun, on some roller coasters. I have to suck in my gut a little bit, but I can get that harness. If I get it to snap in place and, and locked in, you know, I'm, I might be a little squished and a little uncomfortable, but I'm on it and I'm safe and secure. But the thing is that I think we need to remember is don't go around trying to change the entire world when something doesn't quite fit for you. 
work on changing yourself because you can't change the whole world, but you can change yourself. Mm -hmm. But that's part of that personal responsibility. Like when you, even some of the greatest marriage advice I think I was ever given, don't try to change your spouse, change yourself. And they might even make some changes on themselves because they see what you're maybe making some changes and stuff, Mm -hmm. you know? All, you can always change yourself. It might take some work and some time, but personal responsibility, exactly. folks. You can do it. You do have the power. You can do it. And find people to encourage you on that. Mm-hmm. Heck, you know what? Uh, I'm going to go with speaking because we're talking about the fact that I am, yes, overweight and I need to get into shape. Uh, let me plug Diz Ninjas. If I'm hopefully saying that right, and I think it's with a Z, but Jonathan Johnson, we've had him on the show. He does the, uh, with his ninjas, he's got a group on Facebook, and I think even a website that you can join and you can encourage each other. It's for basically people who are trying to exercise or walk or whatever you're trying to do. Uh, I'm registering the fact that I'm, you know, trying to practice with Saber Guild, so I'm actually getting some exercise when I do that. You know, you just can get into a group that, hey, we're trying to take care of ourselves and exercise and, you know, just once again, taking some personal responsibility, but having a group of, of support and friends that are all Disney fans that you can get together and like, hey, you know, you we're doing great. Yes, I'm, I'm proud of you. You managed to walk and they'll go up this many stairs or something, you know, little things. It's mm-hmm. it's a kind of a nice thing and you can do that. And, and that's the and that's the thing. Start with small goals and then work your way up as you accomplish those goals. Exactly. Okay, well uh, we better go ahead and dive right into some news. Alrighty. Disney and Geek Universe to bring you the best in comics, toys, movies, and entertainment. This is news from around Neverland. Walt Disney Company CEO Bob Iger said that actually in quarter two, the the parks and resorts and the studio, it's it's all looking very, very good. They've had a really good second quarter, and you're starting to think that, you know, that expansion into Shanghai or Shanghai is looking pretty good. And they're thinking, you know, we could maybe build another park somewhere else on a foreign soil. And, and they're even thinking, you know, like Galaxy's Edge and the Toy Story Land could be added into Shanghai and stuff like that. I still want to see the Marceline project that Walt Disney himself wanted to do get brought back. Build in Marceline. It would be fantastic to have... Because here, us, us in the Midwest, we have to fly, and it becomes even more expensive for us, unless we work for an airline, you know, to go and visit one of the parks. If we had a park a little closer that we could drive to, you'd get just as many visitors. Heck, I'd be happy if you buy Worlds of Fun away from Cedar Fair and you build something in Kansas City, because Kansas City also has some good Walt Disney history. So, come on, Disney, build something here in the Midwest, central to the entire country. And, and, you know, okay, fine, you want to build overseas, but, you know, build something more domestic. That's that's my my own, you know, soapbox. But it is kind of cool they want to build some more. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a lot of building going on all over. To be honest, you don't oh, have indeed. to look outside of the U.S., France, uh, China, Hong Kong, or Tokyo. We've got some construction going on very soon here at Future World there in Epcot. Ooh. You know, uh, just as uh, we know that there's a new Magic Kingdom area hotel coming, uh, there's been a slew of permit filings for the uh, beginning of work for a hotel which is rumored to be located at the entrance of Epcot. 
Uh, for uh, those of you who may be familiar, there's there's really two proposed sites. One of them is over by uh, the Living Sea, or between the Living Seas and uh, the Land Pavilion, which is inside of Epcot. Uh, the other one is actually right across the uh, monorail station and the entrance for Epcot. You know, it's hard to know exactly what is going on. Of course, there's already a lot of construction going on there in Future World with the new uh, Guardians of the Galaxy ride that uh, mm-hmm. has uh, construction going on right now as well. But the uh, stormwater management plans uh, show the area behind the Seas Pavilion to be the focus of the next development after the Guardians Coaster. We're not quite sure exactly where it's going to end up, but uh, well, that uh, land behind the seas is uh, definitely uh, got the infrastructure to support a hotel. Yeah, and it's nice to f- have some follow-up because I remember finding some of this before that Disney was starting to, uh, the process of filing the permits for that area, and they knew it had something to do with some water area or something, but we didn't really know what all was going on, and it's nice now that we've gotten a bit more information to hear about this new hotel that could be building around Epcot, mm-hmm. so it's kind of exciting to see this this slowly developing, mm-hmm. and heck, I even saw some pictures this week, that new, uh, not monorail, but um, oh, the gondolier. Oh, yes, yeah, yes. Not saying, the, gondola. Yeah, the new gondola going up the gondolas i saw some more photos of the construction that somebody took and everything and seeing how that's coming along <laughs> yeah, i oh that looks i cool. actually got to see uh the turrets being built over there by uh disney hollywood studios took me a second cool. to realize what it was for but as soon as i recognized it i was like yeah that's gonna be right gondolas. there that's cool that's gonna be so yeah. awesome That'd be, that would be a great way to travel around the it park because you could look up and see everything yeah, I, I just i just oh. well we'll get to it when we have a chance to talk about orlando but I just loved riding on the monorail through those uh, through the forests and swamps. It was just kind of an amazing <laughs> and surreal experience. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I got some bad news. And now, when, and seeing where, where on Facebook when this article was being shared, there was people who got up in arms and, and, and took this the wrong way. But, okay, so this has been going on since 1983, but... Unfortunately, it hasn't been a big moneymaker. The turnout has not been great. And so Disney is going to actually cancel the Night of Joy event. Uh, it's been going on 34 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the Orlando Sentinel has now confirmed this, that last year was the last time. Uh, I mean, this has been kind of a thing where they've had like Stephen Curtis Chapman and Amy Grant and the Newsboys, Casting Crowns, Chris Tomlin, Kirk Franklin, Michael W. Smith, Debbie Boone, uh, all kinds of these different Christian artists. Now, personally, I'd be more happy if you had like, I don't know, Disciple or, or DC Talk back in the day or, you know. You know, more my I'm I'm more like a hard edge metal, so like red and ashes remain. I'm really liking these days, and you know, yeah. So if they'd have brought in that type of stuff, but that's not always you know you bring the kids because you know it's metal. I mean, it's Christian metal. They're not saying anything bad, but you know, maybe little kids are not into that. But some kids are. Tim Nidell's kids are into the metal he plays for them. <laughs> so you know, kids can like that kind of thing. So maybe they should have just mixed up the music style a little bit because right now it's a lot of adult contemporary. I'm like, well, that's mm-hmm. nice, but you know, there's all in other different music. Mix it up a little bit. Well, you know, but, so. but to be honest, they're not completely uh, turning away Christian music. They're still going exactly. to have the Eat to the Beat concert, which features uh, artists such as Mercy Me and Torin Wells. And of course, they're going to be continuing the candlelight uh, the candlelight ceremony. You know, where they read... Yeah, so I mean, they're not... They're not shutting Christians out. There were some people I saw up in arms like, oh, how horrible that they're doing this to us. And they're like, wait a minute, they're not. They're just not making money with one event, but they're keeping these other mm-hmm. events. You know, I know that there's a, a yearly gospel event that takes place at uh, DCA, at California Adventure. 
where they have well, different see, gospel choirs go. come in and perform. So, you know, it, it, it's it's one event. Yeah, it's uh, sad that, you know, some of these uh, well-known artists um, just, you know, were not providing the attraction and the draw that they were looking for. And you never know. Things may come back. They may retool it. They may have uh, something brand new ready and lined up yeah. uh, at a different venue. But, you know, this last year was really difficult with the hurricane canceling a good deal of the concerts that they had planned. Um, but, uh, yeah. you know, there, there's always something uh, more around the corner. Right. So don't take everything personal. Don't get all offended. Sometimes business is just business. Mm-hmm. Now, so. talking about business going on and uh, changes, did you know that uh, it's tough to be a bug theater as closed at California Adventure? I hope as long as they keep the one in Animal Kingdom, then because it, it fits so well. Yeah, there. It, and it does. And you know what? That was one of the things that I skipped over on my trip to Animal Kingdom because I already knew what to expect. But um, yeah, it's tough to be a bug. It was a day one attraction for California Adventure. Um, however, what they are doing, mm-hmm. you know, we've talked about this new Marvel Land coming to the mm-hmm. park, and uh, yep. they're actually going to be—I I didn't realize it—but they are actually going to demolish. The it's tough to be a bug theater. Um, yeah, I'm not surprised because we did we talked about this uh, a few weeks ago that the you know, Bugs Land was going. So you know, I'm not surprised the theater has mm-hmm. gone away now. Well, you know, I, I know Disney likes to try and repurpose theaters as, uh, if they can, mm-hmm. and certainly they've used this as uh, a theater for 3D previews. This is where I got to see Ant the Ant Man preview. Uh, but yeah, they they do sh- use that theater along with the Sunset Showcase Theater. Sadly, the former Muppets Theater. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, they, they certainly were utilizing it. And, you know, I would have figured that they would have used the existing structure to hold a new ride. But, no, they're going from the ground up with it. Yeah, well, maybe they'll build, like, a brand new theater structure for, for something that's going to be Marvel related. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe that Iron Man ride that they built overseas will be coming here. And they need more of a theater type of an area, mm-hmm. well, Although, I guess it could be a little smaller because uh, that is projection screen, apparently, and very similar to Star mm-hmm. Tours. Uh, so you can still use that space and do multiple yeah, screens. But I would but. not be surprised if this is what was going to be the location for the Spider-Man ride. <gasps> That'd be so cool. A Spider-Man ride. Because <laughs> <laughs> Spider-Man was very prominently featured on the uh, advertisement for the Disney yes, he was. The Disneyland Resort uh, when these announcements yes. came. So, you know. I like the poster. Yep, <laughs> never know. But, uh, you know, also, speaking of deconstruction... Did you hear about what happened today? Yes, I just saw. Well, of course, we're saying today, and we're actually recording here on Friday, and you're going to hear this probably Monday morning. But here on Friday, May the 11th, Maleficent's dragon float caught fire. And not the blowing fire. The head went on in flames uh, during the 3 p.m. parade. And this would be, uh, I forgot what they call this, the Festival of Fantasy Parade. So, yeah, then there's some photos and some video uh, from the News Channel 8, I guess, over there in uh, Anaheim. Uh, no, no, uh, this and is there's, in Florida. Oh, this was in Florida. Oh, I thought, okay. Yeah, I see it up there now, Florida. Uh, I, I'd originally heard about this from Paul Berry of Window to the Magic at windowtothemagic.com, so I thought it was a Disneyland thing. But nope, this was in Florida mm-hmm. then. And uh, they did manage to get the fire out. Nobody got hurt. Uh, they, they said, in quotes, it was quickly extinguished. But uh, I'm sure there's going to be a little bit of repair going to have to yeah. happen. <laughs> well, this this float, it, this is the centerpiece of the Festival of Fantasy Parade. Yeah, this is yeah. what they use to advertise it. This is what they feel 
is drawing people in because it's a very steampunkish design and it you know breathes fire. So it's it's going to be interesting to see if they uh, are able to replace this. Yeah, I, I'm sure they'll be able to fix stuff. It's going to cost a bit, but you know they may even have like spare dragons just in case you know one breaks down. And you have another one that you can use. I'm not sure exactly how this works backstage, but you know I'm, I'm sure they're prepared for this. A type dragon. Of thing. They'll a be dragon. able to take care of it. We have a spare dragon. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Maybe for a little bit while we'll have Elliot come come out instead. <laughs> that would be kind of funny. Drag out the Elliot from the Main Street Electrical Parade. Exactly. <laughs> Alrighty, uh, are you ready to go a little bit outside Disney? Why don't we? Yeah, because uh, you know I was already talking a little bit before about a new Masters of the Universe movie, but we actually have some information on some oh, characters. Well, you know what? They've got to have Man at Arms. Yes. And I love the picture. He doesn't have the mustache because the original figure didn't have that mustache. But he was so iconic in the cartoon. As long as he uh, has the has everything that belongs on his armor and uh, not uh, football pads, as in the original. Do yeah. <laughs> and then the old Master of the Universe mm-hmm. movie. Yeah. Uh, but of course, um, yeah. he is knowledgeable not only for all things weapon related, but he's also going to be the main source of exposition because, you know, who else knows better about Eternia's history than perhaps the Sorceress? You know what? I would even like to see them take it a step forward because, you know, in the in the original storyline, he had found Tila and the Sorceress entrusted him mm-hmm. with Tila to be kind of an adoptive father. I would actually like to see that maybe there was a little bit of a romance with him and the Sorceress and... and but they, because of her duties as a sorceress, they they no longer could be mm-hmm. together. That that to me would be a, a nice well, story and more emotional. Didn't they uh, kind of allude to that in the uh, new series back in the two thousands? I don't know. I need to rewatch the uh, that that secondary series. I heard it's all up on YouTube, but I, I haven't mm-hmm. found it yet because it's not. I guess it's not on the official Masters of the Universe YouTube channel. Well, you know who else is they've uh, released a character description for Zodak. <laughs> now he's going to be the king's minister of technology. That's interesting you know, because you know in 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 the in those old mini comics, you know he was kind of an immortal Eternian. He lived throughout a prehistoric war of ancients, uh, as well as the Snake Man, which gave him some unique perspective. Yeah, he always reminded me of the Watcher in Marvel because he was always watching, and he'd only show up in the cartoon mm-hmm. when something of significance. He would just tell them, but he didn't interfere. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, the yeah, the thing is, the article here refers to him as kind of an Obi-Wan type of character. That could be really kind of cool. A mentor for mm-hmm. Prince Adam. Uh, I like Speaking it. Speaking of Tila, she is uh, Man-at-Arms' daughter and Adam's best friend. Uh, and uh, they are going to be developing a uh, romantic relationship between the two of them. Now, uh, we do know that uh, in canon, she was the captain of the Royal Guard. Uh, we also know that uh-huh. she's going to be serving in the military as well. She's also heir to being the sorceress. Yes. Which, uh, the DC comic version of Master of the Universe actually went to the full step of having her step into the role of the sorceress, but also finding out she was somehow or another connected with the mm-hmm. snake bin, which they pulled that from, you know, the original Tila figure had, she snake, had that snake yeah. headdress. So they played with that idea a little bit, too. Uh, but I have seen where some canon where she's later on in year she's supposed to be married to King He-Man because Adam, I guess, revealed that he was He-Man and he ruled as mm-hmm. He-Man and a king. So very interesting how they could take this because I've always enjoyed the dynamic of where maybe her and Adam, she like Adam could kind of have a thing for her, but she's like, oh, wow, well, uh, thanks. It's good to know you, Adam. You're my, you know, I bodyguard you, but oh, He-Man, mm-hmm. oh my goodness. Mm-hmm. Oh. You know, I would love to see that goofy weird triangle going on. <laughs> well, 
in the well, in we this could film. make a, a quadrangle with uh, everyone's favorite sorcerer, Orko. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, you know, he uh, one of the things they say is that he's going to be reimagined as a small man whose self doubt holds him back from being a reasonably mediocre wizard. Which might work. could work. You know, uh, the reason they had Wildor was because they couldn't do the special effects to show someone who could fly all the time. But yeah. uh, but now, you know, with, with computers, he could be a completely computer-generated yeah, yeah, he could. He could. So I, I kind of hope they don't go with reimagining him as just a, a short guy. Although it would be kind of cool what if they got Peter Dinklage, just because he's <laughs> awesome and everything. P- Peter Dinklage actually would be, it'd be such a weird change for him to play something like Orko. But if you're if you're gonna have him some of a small stature, get Peter Dinklage because well, hey, he's the man. It doesn't matter if he's twenty feet tall. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> For anyone who's seen Infinity War, you well, know. I what wasn't we're trying about. to leave well, any spoilers. <laughs> sure. Have you noticed that there are people who are referring to it as Infinity Wars? Yeah, yeah. And I I want to correct them, but I'm like, oh, that's okay. You're just excited. <laughs> well, I I actually heard somebody in a similar sentence say Star War and Infinity Wars. Hmm. I think I heard it on a podcast. I'm like. Wow. Okay. So, <laughs> wow. Yeah, you know what I'd say? I'd say we sp- send them a space monkey with feathers to knock some sense <laughs> into them. Can he maybe talk a little bit like uh, You Sean know Connery? what? I, I say you should go home and sleep well. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Stratos is going to be part of the film <laughs> as well as the leader of the Sky Guards of Iron Gate Prison, where Skeletor and his crew appear to be imprisoned. Now we also. I hope they're not giving us away too much with some of these previews of what they're planning for the not. film. You know, but speaking of Skeletor's cronies, of course we've got uh, Beastman, who is going to bring a little something different, as he's going to be a shapeshifter with the ability to turn into any beast. Now that would be mm-hmm. interesting. So, although that's almost Beast mm-hmm. Boy, but you know, think of him <laughs> as a spy, or think of him in a fight, oh. shifting between different types of beasts. Yeah. I mean, it can be very interesting. I kind of liked him as being able to be like a beast master where you control all these different beasts on the planet. That was mm-hmm. very cool. Uh, shapeshifting could be fun, though. That, mm-hmm. that could work. Now, another part of this crew, of course, is Eva Lynn. You know, and she... You oh, gotta and have she, her. She, well, she uh, swore her fealty to Skeletor. She always had her own plans in mind. Yeah. You know, and you have to... And those, they almost have a love-hate relationship between those two. There's almost, you would think, that... Yeah. You know, which I, I think they did that in that, that second series because they had when he was uh, Keldor. Mm-hmm. You know, they might have had him with involved, but then he lost his face. And <laughs> he's not so attractive with a skull for a face. <laughs> Too true. Now, uh, uh, Trapjaw's also going to be a part of the crew. Well, because yeah. he have to be. Thinking if you needed a cyborg, why not um, Nanny Faces? Triclops? Or Triclops. Oh, yeah. I'd like to see Triclops <laughs> pop in and Manny Faces make an appearance. Would be kind of fun. Although Manny Faces' entire gimmick was switching mm-hmm. faces. Well, he's an actor. He's got to have different <laughs> faces. Sure. <laughs> so yeah, I mean that's, I guess I, that's one thing. I, I, I mean, they're still in development right now mm-hmm. with this film. So I'm sure Triclops could show up because Triclops was always cool. I want to see Merman, Mossman, uh, Mossman. Yeah, Rizzo. that'd be cool. And Ramman. Bring the horde in later because you can do a She-Ra movie and you can go ahead and throw the horde <laughs> in with her because that would be awesome. So there's That's so much up. that could happen with this, you know. Exactly. Awful. You too. No, okay. man. <laughs> yeah. See. Well, at least nobody's uh, but, going solo oh, on it. 
yes, but uh, Chewie is going solo because he's getting theme music all to himself, as confirmed by Ron Howard. On, actually, this happened on May 7th, so it's been, a, been about a week since we found out about this, but John Powell gave Chewie his own music. Now, I'm, uh, I'd have to look him up because I know I know the name John Powell, and uh, I was watching the red carpet for Solo, and he did come out, and he's very familiar, of course, with this, and I'm sure he's done some music that I'm familiar with and I'm just not thinking of. Uh, but I'm excited to hear what he's come up with. And he did mention that he is trying to connect with some of the older John Williams music, and especially having John Williams actually write a theme song into this film. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm excited to hear some of the music kind of come out oh, from yeah. this movie. And apparently I'm hearing some of the reviews from the critics at the premiere were yes, pretty positive. Yes, so, you know, we've only got a couple weeks left. Yes, indeed. Happening right in between my anniversary and my birthday. So <laughs> start the party now, bro. Definitely. Definitely. Now, uh, uh, you know, there's... This is going to be complicated. It is going to get complicated. <laughs> Things are definitely getting complicated. Have you heard uh, the latest going on with the uh, Disney-Fox merger? Yeah, see, I, I talked a little bit a, a while ago. I wasn't sure exactly what Sky mm-hmm. was, but it was... They were talking about that Disney was going to have to buy out some of the shareholders for Sky, but it looks like uh, that might mm-hmm. be changing because Comcast has stepped in. Yeah, NBC Universal Comcast was uh, are offering sixty billion dollars cash uh, for the same assets that yeah. Disney is uh, <laughs> looking to acquire. Yeah, that's about uh, for fifty-two point yeah, four so billion. Yeah, so difference of close to seven billion dollars. So yeah. uh, Comcast has also offered to buy all of Sky for thirty-one billion dollars. Now. Uh, Disney might encourage Fox just to let Comcast have Sky. You know, Sky is a uh, is a network in Europe, and you know it, it certainly has you know a lot of uh, it, it, there's a lot that it could offer the Disney company. But it looks here that it's not a deal breaker if they have to let it go. You know, Comcast certainly is looking for different avenues and different sources of, of distribution. So. You know, yeah. hopefully this does not make uh, put a cog into the Disney plans. Uh, certainly, we know that there's a lot more at stake than just who gets what. Uh, of course, Fox has all of the uh, Fantastic Four and X Men properties. There's a lot yeah. of um, excuse me. There's there's a lot of uh, potential, especially in this uh, age where we're looking to build up franchises. Yeah, and part of this, I wonder if maybe Universal is hoping that they, if they can buy into Fox, that they have some connection now to the film rights for the X-Men, because they still have some Marvel properties on their mm-hmm. parks, and I guess they want to hang on to anything they can hang on to. So I could see the, that being part of the reason for them to step in, but I could see Sky being more beneficial to Comcast, and really Bob Iger would rather get a hold of Hulu as far as any television thing, because he says that he can keep Hulu and this upcoming streaming Disney service both running, and anything that's at a Disney property that maybe doesn't fit for the Disney thing, they could just put it over mm-hmm. on the Hulu and and get it on there. So, you know, those properties like all oh, these Netflix series that they might want to move somewhere. They could pull it off Netflix, put it over on Hulu, uh, you know, and even like maybe the Marvel films that maybe might not be under the Disney brand. Maybe those could go over there. Maybe Star Wars over there. So, yeah, I could see that if they can at least acquire Hulu and then finish up the deal and get more control over the X-Men and the Fantastic Four and things like that, this could still be very, very cool. So hopefully this doesn't cause too Mm -hmm. much trouble with Comcast 
yeah. trying to you know, in, in any scenario, Comcast is you know is going to come out with something, whether it be Sky, whether it be yeah. all of the Fox assets, or everything. You know, um, of course, there's there's a still a lot to do. We're still you know about another year and a half before any merger is going to be completed. So there's still a lot that can happen. Mm-hmm. Yep, and we it felt like it was going to be a done deal, but we knew the ink wasn't quite dry on this yet. So. Yeah, it well, continues. It should be bogus if Disney loses out on this. Yeah, most. But, you know, if we had a phone booth, maybe we could travel to the future and see this already completed and see what happens. If we had a phone yes, booth, yes, we could. We could. You, Do you know? know anyone who's got one? <laughs> I, I know a wibbly wobbly timey wimey guy with one. Yeah, but see, he's in a police box, and it's sort of different. So, I'm pretty sure uh, the idea behind Bill and Ted must have lifted that from Doctor <laughs> Who well, a little know, bit. Both, uh, Ed Solomon and Chris Matheson, the original creators. Claim they had no idea about Doctor Who. Sure they did. <laughs> but they did come up with a couple of, well, they weren't exactly surfer dudes. Um, they had a, came up with an idea of a couple of nerds who were excited about history, who did travel around in a phone booth. Well, as huh. this, you know, they, it was an improv scene that the two of them had come up with. And as they developed the idea, you know, it did turn into a couple of, uh, well, high school California dudes. Whoa. Um, <laughs> or the Keanu Reeves Valet. Most non, non, non heinous <laughs> dude. <laughs> yes. Of course, we're talking now, about Bill and Ted. Yeah, we had heard that there was there was some talk There's of been a, third, talk of a film, third film for twenty I, years. <laughs> well, that's true, but there was, it got more settled. And, you know, they were like, "Hey, yes, we're going to do a third film," and they even released this picture of Keanu Reeves and Alex Winter inside the phone booth here, a little bit older. And I, I shared that photo a while back, but now we have directly from Deadline Hollywood that Bill and Ted face the music is the official title of the streetwool they're calling it to the and Bill and not Ted just franchise. The official title. This movie is greenlit for production. Yes, we are a go. It is in pre-production. And of course, it's being written by Chris Matheson, Chris Matheson and Ed Solomon. And of course, they also have Dean Cross of Parasite who yes. did Galaxy Quest, which <laughs> he's going to mm-hmm. direct it. So there, oh there's gosh. a lot of good talent behind us. Yes, I well, am so excited. And, and of course, you know, Ed, Ed Solomon, he also wrote Men in Black. You know, yeah. Good buddy comedy with a nice sci-fi element. Of course, I wonder, did he do the original or is he working on this new Men in Black that we've been uh, I believe it's about? the original. Yeah, it's I the original. The, yeah. It was, okay, because I thought, I know the original was directed by the same guy who directed oh, The yeah. Addams Family, but I thought he was a writer-director. Uh, yeah, Barry so Sonnenfeld sure. is something of a writer director, but Ed Solomon was, uh, you know, was the screenwriter. Awesome sauce. Okay, so this this could potentially be fantastic. Now I'm hoping they keep it more on the family friendly level, mostly that the original films were, and not take it to the level where, like Universal, when they do Bill and Ted, they make it a very, a very adult, much yeah adult show with their which, Halloween shows. You know, I with yeah with. Uh, with the rise of R-rated comedy uh, out there, I really hope they don't go that direction with Bill and Ted, because uh, that will mm-hmm. hurt their audience. Yeah, I yeah, because uh, you, you won't uh, yeah, really I take don't your see kids this, in you know, for one. Being more than a PG-13, uh, just because you know it's yeah. you know we're 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 in the uh, period of legacy sequels. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess that's yeah, what you call and, it. Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't see, you know, as, as popular as it is now, I don't see Deadpool 20 years from now, you know, picking up the reins from wherever it left off. 
this is exciting. You know, again, this is something that's been you know, speculated and talked about by both Keanu Reeves and Alex Winter for the last 20 years of, you know, finding some way to keep the storyline going. Of course, we've lost George Carlin, you know, but yeah. I have heard that uh, the actor who played Death is uh, going to be involved. Oh, I uh, can't yeah, think uh, of his name. Oh, golly, I can't think of it either. But, but yeah, he was so uh, he's, he's going to, Death is going to be back. Um, you know, of course, the princesses will be there. Um, you know, maybe Station will be there. You know, there's 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 still a lot of Bill and Ted history that they can pull from. Yeah, and you know, I, aren't we supposed to now be in? Yeah, we are in the future. They haven't done anything yet. Yeah. So when when are they going to do <laughs> so something? So we'll see. <laughs> to Disney and beyond. Give a little bit of background. You know, we've talked about it here on the show before. I am a huge Disneyland freak. I've been going to Disneyland since I was knee-high to a grasshopper. I know the ins and outs. I'm the guy that's going to talk your ear off about it at work when you say you're going to Disneyland. I've never set foot in Walt Disney World. Was that grasshopper you were knee-high to named <laughs> yes, Wilbur by was. any chance? And he hung out with Goofy an awful lot. <laughs> yes, and went fishing. Now, if you all don't know what we're talking about, okay, you need to do some mm-hmm. goofy yeah, watching. definitely. Okay. I love that cartoon. So, Wilbur. despite the fact that I had never been to Walt Disney World, certainly did not dampen my enthusiasm for going to Walt Disney World. But, you know, it, I'll watch YouTube videos on Disneyland to, you know, the nth degree, and I would tend to avoid the Walt Disney World ones. Uh, I did get uh, caught up in watching uh, histor- historical videos about uh Disney World attractions, um, and I know growing up that I would have absolutely loved the 1980s Epcot Center and everything that was there. You know, in fact, growing up, you know, of course you have the icon of Spaceship Earth, you know, coming at you every Sunday night on the Disney Sunday movie. You know, that was ingrained in me. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, the opportunity came that my wife and I were able to spend two days uh, in Orlando visiting the Walt Disney World Resort. Uh, the first thing we did was uh, we got there on a Saturday morning. We weren't planning on going to any of the parks that day, but we did go over to Disney Springs, and we got to walk around that area. Of course, I know uh, downtown Disney from Disneyland. That did not prepare me for yeah. Disney Springs. Yeah, I haven't even seen much of how different it is, because when I was there, it was still downtown Disney mm-hmm. in Orlando. So it's apparently a whole it, new apparently place. Apparently it is. Again, I don't know what downtown Disney had been. Of course, you know, I've always heard things about, you know, the Adventurers Club and, you know, uh, that whole aspect of it as well. But uh, you know what? It, it, Yeah, it is an upscale shopping area. And it's got a very interesting theme of being, uh, you know, this this kind of rough and tumble place that uh, over the years has become a, a shopping mecca. Kind of surprised at the Disney store there. I was expecting something huge like World of Disney in uh, Disneyland, mm-hmm. which currently is undergoing a renovation. We walked into World of Disney there, and it was not even a quarter the size of the one at Disneyland. I soon realized that was because that building is under renovation as well. I was about to say, yeah, because I remember it being fairly yeah. large when I was there and had Stitch out on front, and he would mm-hmm. spit every once mm-hmm. in a while some water. So um, we, uh, we mostly just walked around Disney Springs, uh, just taking it all in. We did not walk over to the Rainforest Cafe, where I know there's a volcano that goes off. Uh, but we walked around to, cool. you know, what would have been the old par- uh, Pleasure Island area. Uh, we saw, you know, the different shops. We were actually kind of hungry and looking for lunch, and we found 
Well, it's surprising to me. We found a Blaze pizza for lunch. <laughs> Looking for lunch <laughs> in all the wrong places. Well, it, we weren't even expecting to uh. see it. And, you know, we, we've kind of gotten used to these boutique pizza places. So, you know, we've known about Blaze. And, hey, there's a great opportunity to try it. I'll tell you, it was great. I loved it. In fact, I think that might be where we're going for lunch tomorrow. Of course, they've got the uh, Planet Hollywood there, which was recently refurbished into, you know, kind of more of an observatory uh, type building. We um, went hmm. to the Coke, uh, the Coca-Cola mu- uh, store, which has a really interesting design. The, uh, the the store itself is within what looks like an old building. There's a walkway that wraps around the outside of the building. You know, that takes you up to the top floor where they've got all of the different varieties of Coca-Cola that you can t- test out and taste. Kind of a refreshing and different experience. Uh, we also, that day, went over to the uh, Orlando Premium Outlets where there is a, a Disney character warehouse. Now, this is a store that is run by Disney where they sell discontinued merchandise from the parks. So I was able to get me a Walt Disney World t-shirt for $5. We got pins at an extremely good price. We got, uh, we even got a Star Wars action figure and a vehicle for like $10. You know, but this was something that everyone had the the regular Disney name tag on. Um, So for all intents and purposes, it looks like it's a a Disney-owned shop outside of the parks that you can go and get some incredibly great deals on merchandise on. You know, they even had merchandise from Shanghai Disneyland there. Now, also that day in Orlando, we, we actually drove around Orlando and Kissimmee a bit. Uh, I got to see where Universal Studios is, um, got to see the great big Spider-Man attraction sign outside of it. You know, it, oh, neat. And throughout our time there, we found out where uh, or, uh, SeaWorld is. What really surprised me is that you know, I've always thought that these places were pretty big and spread out and wide open, um, and they are, but they're a lot closer than I had imagined that they would be. But pr- really, the crown piece of that day at uh, Disney World, we decided to go ahead and just drive around the resort, you know, get our bearings for, okay, so if we want to go to the Magic Kingdom, this is where we go. If we want to go to Epcot, we go this way. We want to go to Hollywood Studios there. Oh, and we go further down the road to get to Animal Kingdom. In fact, we got so distracted driving to Animal Kingdom, we actually ended up in the Animal Kingdom uh, parking lot. (laughs) We did not expect that and weren't ready to pay for parking. Fortunately, they let us uh, go out and turn around. But, uh, yeah, uh, I'll I'll tell Uh. you, though, as we were driving around, my wife was driving. I was in the passenger seat. And I'm just kind of like, man, there's a lot of forest here. I just want to see... You know, I want to see those weenies. I want to see, you know, the big stuff. (laughs) And sure enough, we pass a couple of signs for Epcot. And there it is. I get a glimpse of Spaceship Earth. And I let out a squeak that sounded like I was a high school teenage girl. <laughs> was it anything like when I saw that Master of the Universe shirt at Planet uh, Comic Con that, that one time? That was a bit more manly, uh, whereas mine was. <laughs> yeah. Again, here's, here's almost the culmination of, you know, something that I've grown up seeing, wanting to, you know, be able to experience, and there it is off in the distance. So that that was our first, you know, that, that really was our first day down in Orlando. Oh, except that night, we got to go to the Port Orleans Riverside Resort, where we got to listen to... Yeehaw, Bob! Hey, looks good, Bob! <laughs> Exactly. And again, I'm hoping to go see him tomorrow night with my kids and let them experience that show. 
Yeah, they, they, they love them. They They'll love them. So that great. was our first day. Our second day, uh, we we planned ahead of time, trying to get everything figured out. Uh, almost at the very last minute, we decided that we were going to go ahead and get park hoppers for both days. Because, you know, we're only there for two days. We don't know when we're going to have another chance to go and visit these parks. So let's just make the most of it. So the first thing we did is we went to Animal Kingdom. Since we already knew where the parking lot was. Ah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Kind of uh, helps. We, we, it was kind of interesting the way that they have their uh, uh, parking situated. You know, at Disneyland, I'm accustomed to parking in the Mickey and Friends structure where you've got uh, the mini level, the Mickey level, the Donald level, the Daisy level, and the Goofy level. That's a lot of well, levels. And then you've got the Toy Story <laughs> lot where you've got the Buzz lot, Woody, and the Jesse lots. Um, okay. Yeah. I'm familiar with knowing the Disney characters. So we arrive at Animal Kingdom, and get this, they actually waved us on through the toll booths. They did not charge us to park there, which was really surprising. Cool. And, you know, a little, a little guess. I yeah. think the lady who waved us on through the day before recognized us as we came up again, because it seemed to be the same person. <laughs> so, uh, but the, the, the section that we end up parking in is Unicorn. And not just Unicorn, there was a letter associated with the section of the Unicorn parking lot we were in. The letter P. So, we were parked in Unicorn P. But um bum Nice. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, but we, <laughs> we got out, we walked to the entrance. Wow, that parking really stinks. <laughs> could have been worse. <sighs> so, yep, we, we, we walked up to the entrance, and, and we were there about an hour before Animal Kingdom opened. We chose Animal Kingdom to be our first park of the first day uh, because it had an expected lower attendance level that day. Plus, yeah, Animal Kingdom usually does, and except for yeah, well, you know, Animal Pandora. Kingdom has Pandora. That is the big new thing at uh, Disney World for about another month when Toy Story Land opens. So mm. you know, everyone, you know yeah. that that uh, flight of passage is the ride that already has all of the fast passes booked. It's the ride that everyone's going to go there first thing to do. So, you know, with our experiences at Disneyland, you know, anytime we can get to Disneyland at opening, that allows us the best option to get on any ride that we really absolutely have to go on. So that was our plan with yeah. Pandora. We were going to get there early. We were going to uh, do flight of passage first thing in the morning, and then we would let the rest of our day go on. And that is what we did. And did we managed. Manage? Uh, in fact, even before we entered awesome. Animal Kingdom, we still had to... Uh, you know, we, we had bought our tickets online, so we needed to do whatever we needed to do to make sure that we could go into the parks. And so we walked up to the ticket booths. You know, I said, I bought tickets online. They said, great. Can you provide us your idea? Which we did. And uh, then they asked us, so would you like to get Magic Bounds? <laughs> we did yes. say yes. <laughs> and we paid the, you know, twelve ninety nine per person for Magic Bounds. But, you know, we are so glad that we did that. Because, you know, the thing about Disneyland is you have to show your ticket in order to get in and you go through the turnstile. Mm -hmm. And it takes a little bit of time because they've got to scan it and, you know, you go through the turnstile. The great thing about and you hear exactly, a bling. the great thing about the <laughs> Disney World resorts is uh, they don't quite do it that way. Uh, you're, the tickets that they give you have an RFID sensor in them and you, you know, put your thumb for it to record your thumbprint so that nobody else can get in using the same ticket. And with the Magic Band, you know, mm -hmm. that is your ticket. It's your Fast Pass. It's everything all wrapped up in there. You know, we've talked about some of the resorts. So that's how you open up your 
the door to your hotel room is through your magic or through your magic band. So, um, you know, that was yep. kind of a thrill and experience to, you know, do the first time. And, you know, it's really a fast process to get through. Uh, well, it's not even a turnstile, just through that front gate. So we, along with the horde of people who had gathered that morning, went directly to Pandora. Uh, Pandora, uh, they actually let us in about uh, 15 minutes before the park opened. And then we spent the next 15 minutes waiting at the entrance of Pandora to go in. And, oh my goodness, I, I cannot even begin to describe what, how Pandora looked. It was just absolutely incredible. They have nailed this uh, foreign alien environment. Uh, Joe Rody just, it, it's incredible. Um, you see those uh, floating mountains, and, you know, yeah, it's kind of obvious how they're being supported, but still, there's floating mountains. And the, the queue for Flight of <laughs> yeah. Passage wraps you in and under and through those floating mountains. So you're looking up at them as you're going oh, in. Uh, I had not watched any videos. I did nothing to prepare myself for Flight of Passage. I knew it had something to do with the, the Banshee portion of the movie. But that was it. They have the uh, the the walk around people that are supposed to be in like these big mech suits now, and they're going to tell mm-hmm. you about the flora and fauna. They were talking about it, but they, I don't know if they, they were ready and they were going a few yet. Days before we were there, but we did not see any of them. Uh, uh-huh. But uh, we went on to flight of passage. They the this the story behind it is pretty incredible. You learn, you know, this isn't just after Jake Sully and ever and uh, had his little dust up um this is several years into the future from that point and uh they talk about how they're using the avatar and working with uh, working the with the navi to learn more about the planet of course the the theme about uh animal kingdom is all about conservation so the the ride carries on that theme mm-hmm. but um you know they they found a way to make it possible so that yeah you can you know, feel like you're going into this avatar as you're riding the Banshee. And they set it up in a really wonderful way. Uh, the ride is very much uh, a combination of uh, soaring uh, soaring over the world. And, well, I don't know what else. You sit on a little uh, motorcycle-style <laughs> contraption, which seals you into place. And then you get the... Uh, sensation of going into this Navi body before you ride the Banshee. You know, it's it's very visually impressive, um, and it's a ride that I can't wait to go back and experience. It is, uh, it's pretty indescribable. Um, after the ride, of course, you exit through the gift shop where they've got the little Banshees that'll sit on your shoulder and which you can manipulate. Mm-hmm. And that's the one thing I'm kicking myself that I did not allow myself to just relax and buy i coming back i would have loved to have gotten uh, a banshee yeah they even have some special ones for, <laughs> yes, uh, for the they 20th did. anniversary and, and we were about a week before the 20th anniversary <laughs> no oh, they no. probably didn't have them out yet either uh, did they after, <laughs> knowing that we've only got two days to hit everything um we did not want to stick around for the navi river journey uh by everything i've heard it's a long wait for a five minute boat ride and the animatronic is really neat, but yeah, and apparently it's yeah relaxing. So and we boring. decided that our next ride was going to be Kilimanjaro Safaris, and so we hiked all the oh, way up yes. to the far northern section of the park, uh, where we really walked onto the ride. You know, that's one of the uh, amazing things. Uh, the particular weekend that we went, we got to walk onto just about every ride. 
which really surprised me because most of the time wow. you're looking at you know a half hour, forty minute wait at least. Yeah. So um, we went up to Kilimanjaro Safaris, uh, rode that. Um, I don't know what to say except it, it's a fun ride. You know, your our tour guide was very well informed of all the flora and fauna, all of the animals. Um, you know, we got to see elephants, we got to see giraffe, flamingo, crocodiles, wildebeests. Um, no penguins, uh, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it, it again, it was just a, a great ride. It was fantastic seeing the lions uh, out there just, just sunning themselves. Oh, um, yeah. Really a fantastic uh, and fun ride. From there... Yeah, and I've heard they've changed the story up with some of the poachers yes, yes. or whatever in fact, at we, the end we were now. talking uh, the following day with a cast member uh, who was off-duty, but she worked the, the safaris, and she said, you know, I really wish that we still had that po- poacher part in it. There's still elements that are out there that can be used, we're just not allowed to use them anymore. Um, let's see, from there we went over to the Kali River Rapids. That one was probably the longest wait that we had out of no, I take that back. There was another one with a longer wait. But, uh, you know, that was a nice wait for us. Uh, and we got a little bit wetter than we expected to. Uh, of course, when it comes to Disney water raft rides, I know Grizzly uh, River Run in California Adventure. And this had, while not an exact similar layout, there were a lot of similar elements between the two. Uh, of course, it's also telling a story of conservation and uh, not you know, logging forests to death. Um, but uh, again, uh, so a very neat looking queue with a lot of uh, Indian symbiology uh, and figurines in there. Um, just telling you the story of this place. After that, we used our first fast pass, which was for Everest. Yes. The, yeah. yeah mm-hmm. yes, the like requirement. <laughs> and let me tell you, I absolutely loved Everest. <laughs> yeah, if you'd have said you were hating it, then I would have been like, you're kidding no, me. Um, it, it, it was incredible. Um, uh, this is, I, I've spoiled myself for years on Everest. You know, I knew about the, the track and I knew about how it goes backwards and I know about the Disco Yeti. Um, mm-hmm. And to make matters worse, because it's such a fast ride, I had to take my glasses off. So I'm looking at it with extremely blurred vision. <laughs> but oh my goodness, that is such an immersive ride. Uh, and it is so fun. And it yes. is so disorienting when you go backwards. Um, unfortunately, <laughs> yeah. yes. Especially with your glasses Unfortunately, <laughs> my, my dear, my sweet, my lovely wife didn't enjoy it as much as I did. Not ones that go through inversions or uh, go backwards, which, you know, is a little spoiler for a little bit later that day. So uh, after Uh giving her uh, some time to rest, the last big ride that we really wanted to hit in in Animal Kingdom was Dinosaur. And that's the ride that had the longest wait for us. Um, You know, as you may know, Dinosaur not only has the same ride system as the Indiana Jones Adventure in California, it, it also has the same track layout. So as I'm riding Dinosaur, mm-hmm. I can say, oh, here we go. We're going to be looking into the Isamara. Or here we go. This is where the bridge is supposed <laughs> to be. Oh, there's supposed to be a huge snake lounge lashing out at me here. So, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Dinosaur is a lot tamer than... Uh, Indiana Jones, except there is one, uh, you know, jump scare in there that'll get you. Um, yeah. The wait was maybe a little bit longer 
than uh, it should have been. But again, Dinosaur is one of those, you know, Animal Kingdom attractions that you've just got to go and experience. Um, after yeah. writing that, you know, we'd hit pretty much everything that we really wanted to see in Animal Kingdom. Uh, we grabbed a bite to eat by the Tree of Life before we uh, ended up leaving the park. One of the things, though, about Animal Kingdom that really surprised me is uh, if you go to any Disney park, you've got a version of Main Street as you walk into the park. Yeah. Animal Kingdom is different. Uh, there is a, a, a shop off to one side, mm-hmm. but that's it. Otherwise, you've got a, a half dozen different paths that lead you through that first section of the park to the Tree of Life. And, you know, it was explained that uh, it was designed this way to allow you to get lost uh, and to get you uh, into yeah. <laughs> what the theme of Animal Kingdom is all about. Yeah, and you can end up missing some things like that uh, little hidden trail where you can yeah. see the well, tigers we see and that stuff trail, like that. Um, but again, just due to the amount of time that we had, you know, that's something that we'll save for another trip. Yeah. So at this point, because yep. we had gotten free uh, admission to the parking lot, we didn't really want to drive over to another theme park and have to pay, now pay $20. So we decided <laughs> to go ahead and use the Disneyland uh, bus or the Disney World bus uh, system, which I was a little trepidatious to do. Uh, I know our good friend Paul Berry has uh, been on those buses before, and I've heard shows, uh, it was his April Fool's Day show, to, to be honest, but I have heard shows where he spends an entire hour on the bus just trying to get from hit the park to his hotel room. So Ooh. I was worried. I was nervous. <laughs> we waited five minutes, yeah. and then the bus for Disney Hollywood Studios showed up. Great. We took that. It's about a 10-minute yeah. drive over to Hollywood Studios. We got off, and... That's where I first got, saw the gondola towers. Again, I was just kind of looking at that. I was going, what is that? That looks almost like a, a cell tower, but it's too big. And then uh, I turned the corner, and there's mm-hmm. the big uh, advertisement for the gondolas coming in a couple of years, which, yeah, light bulb went on. Awesome. So we went, we walked into uh, Hollywood <laughs> Studios. And again, we had our magic bands. We just had to press our uh, fingers to the uh, fingerprint ID, and we were through. Now, the first thing we see there, of course, is the corners of the world store with the Mickey Mouse on top of a globe in front of it. Off to the right, you've got a, um, uh, a gas station advertising Coca-Cola and Chevrolet. And, you know, just I knew walking into Hollywood Studios that it's not really a full park currently. You know, ha- not at the moment. Not at the moment. Not with that construction but going on. There's still was yeah. plenty for us to, uh, you know, enjoy the rest of our day. By this time, it was maybe about one o'clock in the afternoon. And our original plan had been we would do Animal Kingdom in the morning and we would then do Hollywood Studios in the afternoon. And we would see what would happen if we had any time left over after that. Uh, we had a fast pass for Star Tours. No, I take that back. We had a fast pass for the Muppets. And then we had. Mm-hmm. Oh, and, and then we were running that for Star Tours. So um, awesome. we started walking up towards uh, Tower of Terror, which is the complete opposite direction of Muppets, because we had heard that there was a five-minute wait. Yeah. By the time we got there, there was a half-hour wait. Wow. Rock and Roller Coaster <laughs> had a 45-minute wait. So we figured, well, wow, let's come back. We can try these a little bit later. Let's uh, go ahead and use our Muppets Fast Pass, which, you know what? I miss the Muppets at California Adventure. You know, we, we, we walked into the theater. 
Uh, first thing we did was we looked under the mat for the key. It was there. And uh, as, <laughs> as we walked into the waiting area for Muppets, there were all of the props and all of the you know, sight gags mm-hmm. that, you know, I just missed from California Adventure. And of course, we. A net full exactly, of jello. Exactly. <laughs> you know, the swine trek. It's up there. Uh-huh. Oh. I missed it. I miss it still. Uh, we wa- we went into the show, and you know, sad to say, this theater is showing its age. You know, I hate to say that, but uh, the scrims along the side are are getting worn out. Um, but it was still good to to see that good classic Muppets 3D show. Um, I miss it. I really do miss it. After yeah. that, uh, we went ahead and went over to the um, uh, to Star Tours. We got to ride that. Um, Virtually the same experience as Disneyland. Of course, uh, you're walking through the Forest of Endor as you enter uh, the queue, which is... <laughs> yeah. Exactly, so which is a bit surreal. overhead. <laughs> um, but as you're walking yeah, out, so cool. you know, at Disneyland, you are walking, you know, you're still in a spaceport as you're going to the, uh, into the store at the end. Whereas in Hollywood Studios, you're suddenly walking through a set. Which kind of, uh, hmm. yeah, it's all about yeah. making movies, not being in a movie. I remember but, it that way. Yeah, kind of took away from the theme a little yeah. bit there at uh, Tatooine Traders. Uh, and I was surprised at how small Tatooine Traders was. I'm used to walking into um, this, the store there at Disneyland, and it, it, space is cramped, but you've got a lot of space still to work with, whereas Tatooine Traders, uh, you've got a lunchbox-sized building for the store, which is surprising. Yeah, it seemed, it seemed like it was fairly large when I was there. Yeah. Because I know there was enough space, and you had a, yeah. where you could create your own lightsaber mm-hmm. and even choose your and crystals. And to be honest, I actually like the setup to create your own lightsaber better there at Tatooine Traders than how it's set up in Disneyland. You don't have to stand in line. You can go here and there, and things get messed up and put in, put in the wrong place. Hmm. Anyhow, after that, uh, it started to drizzle. And I I (laughs) went back and forth, you know, I would really love to see the Indiana Jones stunt spectacular. And so sadly, we walked past. Mm. I got myself a root beer float to kind of console myself. My wife got a frozen lemonade slush. And then the drizzle turned into an absolute downpour. (laughs) So we got to learn (laughs) the Florida weather. But fortunately, the great thing about rain is it clears out the crowds. So we were then able to walk right yep. on over to the Hollywood Tower of Terror. And, uh, you know, I Woo-hoo. loved Tower of Terror in California Adventure. I thought it was great. But I knew that the Tower of Terror in Florida is different. Same concept, mm-hmm. the same up and down, but I knew that they had that journey into the fifth dimension. And that, yes. oh, I kept telling my wife, this is different and you'll see why. And oh my goodness, that was, <laughs> that, you know, it just, it makes sense to have that as part of the ride. And uh, yes. that's what was lacking at California Adventure. And I'm glad the California Adventure now has Guardians of the Galaxy, yep. which I love even more than Tower of Terror. But now that I've written the original, yeah, you can't go past that and above that. <laughs> After Tower of Terror, we oh, walked yeah. across the way to uh, Rock and Roller Coaster. And, you know, my wife was excited. We took a picture of her uh, underneath the uh, upside-down limo. 
that's there at the right entrance. Uh, we walk in. <laughs> we get into the building, and you know, part of the story is you're walking into a, uh, a music executive's office, a recording studio. And so as you walk in, they've yeah. got all of these posters on the walls about the different acts that uh, work for them. But I noticed one of these posters had my wife's name on it. And it said, appearing live really? in our hometown that day. And I'm scratching my head going, okay, huh. my wife has a very unique spelling to her name. How in the world? And as I pointed it out to her, the poster changed. It then said, Eric, performing live in my hometown. It was the Magic oh, Bands. neat. Which had our information on yeah. them that was transmitting. So here you had this wonderful little opportunity to be become a part of the ride and part of the experience. Oh, oh I, I only wish I had my camera out. Too. <laughs> so, yeah, um, yeah. but as you know, uh, Rock and Roller Coaster is a launch system uh, where it shoots you out. Yes, and it is. <laughs> we've been on California streaming. We're used to that. My wife, though, is not used to doing inversions <laughs> inside of a darkened building. And right. <laughs> while I've seen videos, it's, it's hard to get perspective and a true understanding of how this ride works. I've got a wonderful understanding. And I'll tell you, <laughs> when that launches you straight into an inversion, I, when you hear my audio on the show, <laughs> you're going to hear me woohooing and hooting it up and hollering. Because I was having the time of my life. Oh, my poor wife <laughs> was not. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so, again, that, that's a fun ride as you're going through a stylized version of Hollywood. Much better than Superstar Limo, I might add. <laughs> but, uh, you know, ah. I had fun. My wife didn't have fun. We, we, we had a great time. I found the Rocketeer's helmet and booster pack, you know, by that point. It was four o'clock in the afternoon. We still had the whole rest of the evening ahead of us. And it was raining again. Woohoo! So we found a bus <laughs> and made our way over to Epcot. Disney moms, for all you Mother's Day, we had to talk about some of them. And I know there's at least one that I didn't get written in. Uh, I don't see that you've added it, but I better throw her in. And I can't remember what her name was. The queen from Brave, Merida's mother. Oh, okay, yeah, Queen Eleanor. That's her name. And I, I, to me, I gotta say, she's the truly brave one of mm -hmm. that picture. To me, I mean, she's the hero. I mean, even though she spends time stuck as a bear, but mm -hmm. she's the one that really teaches Merida the lesson. Although she learns some things from Merida along the way, she shows what a strong woman can actually be as mm -hmm. a queen and how it's okay to be a princess. Is mm -hmm. you know, and and how to use your power, and she can. I love it when she steps out and stops all the arguing warlords and just brings silence. I'm like, mm -hmm. oh, she, and that's where she showed her real bravery. I mean, going mm -hmm. out and yeah, you like having adventures and you can shoot a bow and all that stuff, and that's neat. But some of the stuff that she has to step up and do, wow, yeah, really incredible. And you know, the thing that I like about her. Uh, it's all about family. Yeah. It's about the ties that bind. And, yeah. and that really is the story of the movie. Indeed, indeed. You know, talking about someone else that, you know, really stretches out and, <laughs> and does her best to bring her family together, though, is the star of The Incredibles 2. Yeah. Unless the girl. Yeah, Helen Parr. 
Yes. <laughs> and she keeps she keeps that attitude uh, with her from the very beginning of the movie. You're, I'm not going to rely on the guys to do the job. I'm going to get out there. Yeah. And I'm going to do it. <laughs> Leaving the save of the world to the men? I don't think so. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And, you know, and she's the one that, you know, makes sure that her family doesn't get torn apart. Yeah. You know, she's there to console her children. She's there to, you know, help them recognize and realize, you know, what the danger is. But she's yeah. out there to go and save Bob, to make sure that, uh, you know, he's not straying, that uh, he's, he's taken care of. And she does. Mm-hmm. Despite the deception and everything going on up to that point, she was willing to fight for him. Yeah, and her whole she sne- went, she fought, she won. Yeah, and she the, her whole sneak into the headquarters is just so flipping awesome. Oh yes, oh yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> even the comedy that they have where her getting stuck in the doors and stuff is she's pretty awesome in that. But it's also so funny of her like mm-hmm. stretching to grab things and the doors close on her. I love that whole scene. It's just great. <laughs> it's incredible. <laughs> exactly. But, uh, okay, I, speaking of stretching, I, I maybe is kind of stretching with this one, adding her to the list. But she's no, got Sally mother in her name. Yeah, Bibbidi Bobbidi Fairy Godmother. I mean, so technically she's a mother, and but and she's got a small part, but it's a very significant part. And mm-hmm. you get the idea that maybe she's kind of been watching out for Cinderella all this time, and then showed up when it was time to where she could help change Cinderella's destiny. She could have the most impact. Exactly. She picked just the right time. I mean, you could say, why didn't you show up sooner? But it's like, no, not until it was time. And mm-hmm. the fact that you call her a godmother, that you can learn a lot about God that way. God doesn't step in when we want him to. He steps in when it's time. But, yeah, we could preach on mm-hmm. that. But that's what we're here, not what we're here for. But take that. Think about it. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, some of the greatest mothers, though, are those who never even realize uh, that they can be mothers. Yeah. You know, sometimes they find themselves in surprising circumstances where they need to care for a baby. Yeah, even if it's not humans. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Baby foxes. You know, you've got the widow Tweed who mm-hmm. absolutely fights to help save Copper. Yeah, and stands you know, up to a real creep. <laughs> exactly. She stands up to, oh no, now I've forgotten his name. Um, but Slade. Yeah, Amos Slade. Amos Slade, yep. You know, and and even when it gets to the point where she can no longer care for Copper, she does what she can and takes him to the sanctuary, uh, you know, with the hope that he'll be able to survive and live there. And everybody cries. Ugh. Mm-hmm. Ugh. I cannot think about that scene. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what movies do make me cry? The Toy Story movies? Especially the third one, because it's... Oh, <laughs> yes. Yeah. But yeah. there is a mom in that series. Yes, did she ever get a name? I don't think they ever give her a name. I honestly don't know, but I know that she was voiced by Laurie Metcalf. Yeah, but and Andy's mom, I mean, granted, I don't think she pops up a whole lot in the first one, but she becomes a lot more significant throughout the films, especially in the third one. And, mm-hmm. you know, she's sort of a small character in the overall scheme of things, but, you know, that's a pretty good mom. I mean, you can, we don't see anything of, we don't know where her husband is, we don't know where Andy's father, we have no idea what happened. So, she seems like she's taking on a single mom role, which is tough enough as it is, mm-hmm. uh, especially when your kid has no idea that his toys are alive and all the toys causing these crazy things around the house, you know. You gotta admit, that's gotta be tough. So, mm-hmm. But she's doing a pretty good job you know raising up two kids on seem- seemingly on her own and that is a tough job so we'll love you all you single moms out there <laughs> now um another mom 
It's probably the saddest in yeah, all time of to the cry Disney again. pantheon. <laughs> you know, what makes it sad is when her name is called out. Mother! Oh! Bambi's mom. Yes. Another is single mom. <laughs> yes. You know, his deadbeat husband is out uh, being, being a great of prince of the forest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh. But she dies, you know, saving her son. Yeah, and, and and teaches him about the meadow and all the different things and how to survive in the winter. Uh, great mom there. Mm-hmm. But speaking of mothers who die for their children. Yes, and this is one that's, when you think of the name, you don't necessarily see her as a mother necessarily because you never see her mothering her children. Although for some reason uh, her daughter remembers her, although I don't know how that's supposed to happen because she died in childbirth. Uh, yeah, that must be the force. But Padme Amidala, we don't see her being a mother, but technically she is a mother, and she was a you know fierce fighter, good negotiator, wasn't afraid of a few. Uh, uh, what is the for uh, forceful negotiation? Is that the word? No. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, yeah. Yes, forceful negotiations. Yes, uh, negotiations with a uh, well, not a lightsaber in her case, but a blaster, and she's a pretty good shot. We see a few even in uh, episode one of her dead shot, and a few people just bam. So mm-hmm. she had pretty good aim. So uh, yeah. yeah, let's not tick this mother off. <laughs> well, you know, while we're talking about Star Wars mothers, I'm going to jump down to the towards the bottom of the list. Okay, now, who did raise <laughs> Luke? Amperu. There you go. Yeah, she was the one who took in her former boyfriend's kind of sort of nephew. Yeah, she was the one who stood up for Luke when Uncle Owen was, you know, grousing mm-hmm. about uh, you know needing Luke to work in the field. Yeah. yeah, all most of his friends have gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and hey, who else can serve up a glass of blue milk better? Right. At least we don't need any beasts on Octu to, you know, to provide milk for Tatooine people. <laughs> yeah. Which, speaking of blue milk, I guess I should have brought in um, what's her name's mother, but it was such a small part. But she had a pretty good, brave, and strong role to stand up to uh, the dude in Rogue One. And yeah, I'm losing names. Oh, Jin Urso's mother. Yeah, Jin Urso's mother. She was pretty cool. I let's mention her too. So I guess we just mm-hmm. did. So, <laughs> well, so let's go ahead and talk about some more Star Padme, Wars moms. Padme's daughter, who is Leia Solo, which mm-hmm. we see her as a mother who still, despite everything, loves her son. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Ben has gone as far into the dark side as you can. He's killed his own father. He's killed his master. He's Taken, I'm sorry, spoiler alert if you haven't seen The Last Jedi. He's taken his place to become the ruler of the galaxy as an overall Sith Lord. But Leia still loves her son. Well, he set out to do what his grandfather yes. tried to do. Yeah, uh, I finished what you began. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'll be excited to see how this turns out at the next mm-hmm. film with his, his move. Uh, yes. As, taking his position. Mm-hmm. Man, and it is going to be a different movie without the presence of Leia in there. I, yeah. I'm sure we'll feel her presence, but with her not being a part of it, yeah. uh, and you, you know, know she'll be missed. It's got to be a rough thing when you know about you, you when your son goes to the dark side. Although I guess this mother next on the list didn't know her son was going to the dark side. He was just a little boy, mm-hmm. a slave boy, with a slave mother. I was passing it to you. <laughs> Of course, we're talking about Shmi Skywalker. Who, <laughs> yes. Again, we did not get very much, uh, get to know her very well. 
Yeah. Well, um, she we got to know enough. She was a very good mom, very sweet, mm-hmm. very very smart, and she right, raised a very kind boy, one who yeah. would look out for strangers and offer to help them and bring them home without her expecting or knowing that he was bringing along any off worlders with him. Yeah. But she How also could gave she him, have known <laughs> what would happen? Yes. <laughs> uh, but you know, hopefully. Well, no, I guess she wouldn't even know that him and Obi-Wan became, like, big heroes during the Clone Wars. She was already gone by then. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but her life and death really probably had one of the biggest impacts upon Anakin that slowly drew him to the dark side. Yes, it did. So, very significant character. But moving outside of the world of Star Wars, and I had to bring this up. Now, technically, all right, well, now, if you go into Hook, she was kind of a, a foster mother in a lot of ways. But the whole reason that... Peter Pan brings Wendy to Neverland is to be a mother to the Lost Boys. So our own mother, Wendy Darling, we have to honor her. I mean, she's even the one that told stories of Peter Pan to all the all to her brothers and told those stories. And that when you get into the book, she tells those stories to the Lost Boys. And Peter Pan even enjoys hearing stories about himself uh, because he's a bit of an egomaniac. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we'll, we'll just say it. Uh, and in fact, uh, my wife really enjoys the line. And anytime I say something uh, that I'm proud of something I accomplish, uh, she uses this line from the book. Oh, the wonderfulness of me. And she uses that on me all the time. But, you know, I am the pan. You don't realize it, but you just time traveled. Eric had to go on a little trip down to Orlando, and so we weren't able to finish talking about our Disney mothers. So I had to find somebody else to talk about Disney mothers, so Pixie Heather's here. Hi. And so, you haven't gotten to do anything on the list yet, so we're going to let you go what's next on our list. Uh, So next on the list is Mrs. Jumbo. Yay! Uh, That's uh, Dumbo's mom. Dumbo's mom, yes. Yes. Doesn't utter a single word the entire movie. No, but she has a lot to say emotional-wise. Like, they drew her, and I mean, it's... Oh my goodness, like, I just want to cry, like, just yeah. thinking of the one scene, you know. But she's a good mom. She's yeah. a very good mom. And I haven't heard anything about any voices for any elephants in the Tim Burton live-action version. And I have a feeling mm-hmm. they're going to maybe have non-talking. Because Dumbo never spoke either. No, he didn't. So, the only ones, really, elephants that were talking were the, 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 the gossipy ones. And yeah. I guess you could take those out and put humans in. And I don't know. I, I don't think I'm going to like it as much okay, as the cartoon. Okay, but let's move on to the but next Mrs. Mom. Jumbo, I hope Mrs. Jumbo is very, very good role, and I hope Baby Mind somehow gets into the live action. Yep. But next on the list... Okay, now these are... They're not really mothers, but they they raised Aurora. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the fairies, Flora, Fauna, and Meriwether. Yep. Now, the only part, the only part of them that bothers me, because I just love them. They're just delightful, mm-hmm. and that's one of the reasons why I hated Maleficent. I hated what they did to these three, because they're great characters. Yeah. But the one thing that always cracks me up is when we, after they take Aurora away as a baby to hide her, we get up to Aurora's turning, what, 16? 16, yes. And they don't even know how to make clothes or bake a cake yet. They had 16 years to figure this stuff out. How come, how come, I mean, it makes for a fun scene, but yeah. every time I'm watching them, like, it's been 16 years. They could have learned how to make clothes. Well, it seemed like they were trading up roles as if one of them was used to making and the other one was, oh, no, I want to make the cake. And she ends up botching it. Well, I guess we can use that excuse. So maybe they had like different roles that they they were used to playing, but before her birthday, they wanted to try somebody else's role and didn't quite make it work. Because we have to make the sweet sixteen special by wrecking it. Oh, <laughs> they didn't do was, a good job, but it was funny. It was special. They went. They it was went a out. funny scene. Yes, I do enjoy it, but it always every time I'm just like, 
come on, you know how to live without magic. You've done it for 16 years. Just don't question it. Go with it. Yeah. Oh, look what you get. So next is Miss Piz- Miss Piggy as Mrs. Cratchit. So Yay. She doesn't have a big scene, but this is important. Yeah, it is. So like Mrs. Cratchit in the... Um, the, I'm drawing a blank. That Mickey, or not Mickey's Christmas Carol. <laughs> Muppet Christmas Carol. Muppet's Christmas Carol. Muppet Christmas Carol. So a Muppet's Christmas Carol, like, I mean, she does have quite a bit to say. That's about, Mrs. Cratchit with some attitude. Yeah, about <laughs> Scrooge and everything like that. And so whatever Miss Piggy plays is going to be funny. Yeah, and Mrs. Cratchit does have some of those lines that Miss Piggy has said. But boy, yeah. Miss Piggy was able to get it. Even they are badly dressed. <gasps> you know, yeah, <laughs> all this stuff. Miss Piggy was a perfect Mrs. Cratchit. Yep. She was fun. And then next, okay, technically not a mother, but doesn't she try to adopt Pete? In the end, she does. Yes. Nora from Pete's Dragon. Yep. Uh, played by, um, I want to, I almost said Estelle Getty. That's not right. No. <laughs> wow. I forgot her name. She has a lovely singing voice. Yes. And apparently she was pretty famous and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, I'm so sorry. I forgot her name. That's terrible of me, isn't yeah. it? Well, it's Nora. Yeah, it's Nora, but Nora's great and, you know, great character. She doesn't necessarily seem seem like a motherly because she's very much pining and waiting for her fiancé to come in mm-hmm. and has a great, the best song in the entire movie, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, she kind of takes Pete in and kind of looks after him and, and, you know, gives Pete she's a home. She's an adopted mom, you know, so. Yeah. yeah, so Nora, good mom. Yep. Um, and then we have, maybe you should have taken this one. This is Mae <laughs> Parker. So one of your Spider-Man yeah. characters. Once again, not actually a mother, but she did. It was a mother for Peter mm-hmm. uh, and still is. She is a, a great worry wart. And uh, so one of the things they kind of, in Homecoming, they kind of got wrong. You know, although, although she is a bit of a worrier, a little bit, I guess. It's mm-hmm. still there. But Pete, Pete kind of got his worry wart type of behavior from her. And that really didn't get in there, uh, you know, to, to get the full personality of old Pete, you know. But Aunt May just May. took good care. And, you know, her and Ben raised up Pete right with some good morals and everything and taught him responsibility and to do what's right. And May has always been a rock. Mm-hmm. And he could always, even with other stuff, you know, she always, if, if he's struggling with something, Aunt May always knows what to say. And it, ha- it has been fun in the comics. Well, although I guess they've... they've changed it again but when they had her knowing he was spider-man and discovering that it became even more fun because she started a letter writing campaign against j mm-hmm. jonah jameson and all the bad stuff she's saying about her nephew and i was like go ahead may it was yeah, the, great the, toby mcguire uh may parker i loved her like yeah, that. she was perfect she was perfect she was so perfect just exactly what i pictured you know yes. Aunt may to be and, and i love in the second movie that the her, her hero talk mm-hmm. always says to me oh i know i figured yes. this out you cannot keep this from me yeah. A young man. So, but she gives him that what he needs to get back and become the hero he's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. She knew. I'm 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 sold on that. She yeah. knew. It's easy to figure out. Okay. Well, see, you had to have May Parker because you go Sue Richards, you'd be like, who is Sue Richards? No, oh, I know, and that um, Sue Storm. Uh, but that's the uh, Fantastic Four, isn't it? Yes, it is the yes. Invisible Woman, and she is a mother to little Franklin. And that cannot be difficult, okay, because she's already got a hard enough marriage because uh, Reed Richards, he's always, he's such a genius and he's very mm-hmm. focused on his discoveries and work. And you end up now with a boy genius for a son and, you know, that's not easy. You'll have to fill me in a little bit on that because I yeah. know the Fantastic Four, but I don't know the son. Franklin Richards, boy genius. Okay. Pretty much. Because he inherited from his uh, from his father. Yeah. Uh, I'm not a huge Fantastic Four reader, so I don't know any more than that. But we're put, we're honoring her on the list for Mother's Day. Okay. 
So then we have Duchess. Yes, and you can talk all about this so, one. So, yeah, this is a, a furry mommy. This is Fur a, mommy, yes. Yep, so this is a uh, the, the mother for um, the kittens and uh, the Aristocats. Yeah. Yes. And you've seen that movie a lot. Yes, I really. I've seen it once. I really, I like through. cats, so like Aristocats is, I really like it. And, um, and speaking like, of cats, yes, our cat is in the studio yes, again. Yes, Allura gives her meow of approval for this yes. one. Um, she was a mommy, too, actually, before we, we adopted her, yep. so. Um, but yeah, Duchess, and so she's got uh, little, little kitties and um, uh, was it Toulouse, and I'm trying to think of the other ones. Oh, I'm drawing a blank. They got fancy so names. Yeah, they've they lost Ava, friends. Was it Ava Gabor is this one, or was it Zsa Zsa? I think, I think it's Ava. Ava. Ava is the, yeah. Yeah. Um, and so they ha they're they from France, so, you know, mm -hmm. they've got the very, and they're very aristocratic kitty yeah. cats that are well taken care of and, and all this. It's, it's just fun. She goes know? on quite the adventure protecting her kittens from a bad kidnapper who wants the money. It's the, um, it's the, the butler. The butler did it. The butler, because <laughs> the, the, um, the kitty mommy, the, um, the lady who yeah. owns them, she leaves all Leaves the inheritance to the cat. Yeah, leaves the inheritance yeah. to the cat in her will. And I haven't so, watched that a long time. We're going to have to go watch yeah, it. Yeah, we'll have to pull it out and watch it. pull it out because, yeah, it's mm -hmm. a, it is a good one. It's not one it's of their fun. best, but it's mm -hmm. a good movie. It's just a fun one. Yeah. It's just fun. And I get to switch from dog from cats to dogs. I almost said from dogs to cats. I know, and the cats just walked into the studio again. But Perdita! Mm-hmm. I mean, okay, granted, I guess it isn't completely her choice to become mother of 101 Dalmatians. She just had her litter in there. Mm -hmm. But, of course, her and Pongo and, uh, and their their owners have a great, a great adventure rescuing the puppies from Cruella de Vil. Yep. One of the coolest villains, really, Disney's ever had is Cruella de Vil. Really, one of the cruelest. I mean, like you're gonna oh, you're gonna kill puppies gonna for, their, puppies for, their, for fur, their fur. You know, there is a PETA nightmare right there. Yes. <laughs> so yes. yeah, I, we don't own a copy of that. I love that movie. It's a good movie. I need to get a copy of that one. I love 101 Dalmatians. Now, do you like? I even like the live action. I like. Okay, it too. so you like live? I liked both. And Glenn Close was so cool as Cruella Deville. Mm -hmm. I loved her as Cruella Deville. She was great. The whole cast is. It was like bringing the cartoon to life. I really did like it. Mm -hmm. I need to get that one on on DVD or something too. Oh, there were apparently people. There were some people who really didn't care for it, but I thought it was fun. I had a good time watching it. it even there, has there Hugh were some parts that I wasn't totally like a, a big fan of, but it was a good movie. I mean, I was, had fun. I loved. it. I felt it. like it came pretty faithful to yes. the original, but also was able to um, jump the gap between animated and live action because there yeah. is a little bit of difference of how you have to play it. Yeah, but Glenn Close, thank you for being cruel to Bill. You were so awesome. Oh, and we can start the bad. Okay, so on our bad list, we have just called the Wicked Queen. Yeah, I don't think they ever gave a name for her. No, and this is sleeping, not sleeping, but Snow White's. Snow White. Snow White's Wicked Queen. Yes. So this being like the first long, like featured film that was animated that Disney made, they had kind of some generic mm. names for some of the characters, including the yeah, Wicked, Prince Wicked Charming. Queen, Prince Charming. One song, I only have one song, the only thing I get to do in the movie. Oh, he, he kisses her, he's the hero. <laughs> Because he yeah. pulls her out of the sleep. So but people complain how the princesses have like nothing in the old movies. So I'm like, really? Have you watched? And what? Tell me about the princess. Do they even have names? The Beast doesn't even have a real name. Though some people will try to tell you his name is Philip. That is nowhere official. That somebody invented it was that. Adam or something like that. Was it Adam? Adam. I don't know. People don't keep know, inventing yeah. stuff. Like they're also trying to invent that Belle's favorite book was Aladdin. She's not sitting there reading that. Okay, you can tell it's not Aladdin. Yeah, I don't but know. People anyway, people invent stuff anyway. because they want names for these princes. Yeah, even, there's even. Uh, is it Cinderella? He's also just Prince Charming. Is it? Yes. I was going to no, do No, I thought the, he had a name. No. I, no, they, He doesn't have a name. I looked it up because I was, okay. you know, when I started doing the hug or hang out, marry or kill, 
I and I didn't get too far with it. I realized, oh, I've got two Prince Charmings. How am I to differentiate if I do it by audio? I, I mean, I still want to do that. I, I haven't gotten to do it with, I, with the one. I think so. in subsequent uh, subsequent um, Cinderellas, they have given him a name. Probably the live action they may have named uh, him. Yeah, uh, I like that. We do have that one. Mm-hmm. I have to watch it. It's again. a good one. Yep. Um. So anyway, anyways, the w- Wicked, w- Queen. Wicked Queen is bad. I mean, you know how bad you have to be to be the stepmom that wants to like kill your because you're step- better looking than your mother. Yeah, and I mean, I don't know. Like, yeah, I mean, they made her animated to be very beautiful looking, but she's also very scary. So yeah, she has like that old Hollywood, almost Betty Davis eyes. And, you know, so I don't. Yeah. It's hard to see that she really is beautiful. In the in animated, you know, but she actually when mean, she turns into a nasty witch. Oh yeah, and then uh, that makes me wonder that. if that's reversible. Like if she did that, knowing that she could switch it back, or if she yeah. would be stuck that way. I I wondered about that because we never see her even get. To, but she doesn't get a chance to take no, because doesn't. go dwarfs. They go yeah. and run her up the cliff, and then God says, "I don't like you." Bam. Well, and, and the animals too, like the animals. <laughs> the help. animals help, but yep. yeah, God took her out. Lightning bolt. Yeah. <laughs> God says, "I don't like you." <laughs> the classical death for most Disney villains falling from a yeah. cliff. And while we're on this, the subject of wicked stepmothers, Lady Tremaine. Oh, yeah. she gives me goose pimples. She's scary. Because well, the way she sits in their bed and just, well, you're going to be doing this. And she's so casual about it. And just being nasty. Mm-hmm. Just nasty. And just never angry. Just so calmly saying, oh, well, how terrible your dress has been torn up. Or isn't that your pearls? Oh, mm-hmm. my goodness. Just, yes. oh, me. Oh, and they've had some good actresses playing her. Yeah, um, um, Eleanor Ed, Edley. I, oh, oddly, yes. Okay. Was was in, in, in the Cinderella, and she also was Maleficent, and mm-hmm. she's uh, of course in the Haunted Mansion. Well, and then uh, then the live action. You had the most recent one. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I can't think of her name. She's been in so many things. I can't remember. She I played Galadriel. Mala. Um, not Kate Winslet. No, or not Kate it? Winslet. Or is it? No, no, it's Kate not, it's not Kate Titanic. Winslet. Um, uh, Blanchett. Kate know, Blanchett. Blanchett. Yes, and then, there's a lot of Kates. Famous and then, Kates. then before that, and I don't think it's Disney, but with um, it was another the, live action. Ever After the one. Ever After one. Yeah. And it had... Well, um, I don't think they referred to her as Lady Tremaine in that one, so... Um, Your Drew Barrymore one. The Drew Barrymore one, but you still had a good actor playing her. Okay. But it still was, it wasn't Lady Tremaine, but... It, I couldn't think of her name. It was uh, the lady who played um, Adam's family mom. Okay. Well, but yeah, who cares? Anyway. An- but, Angelica Houston. Angelica Houston. But, yeah, so we don't had, care that it wasn't a Disney film. Oh, come on. It wasn't. You wouldn't have had that if it wasn't oh, for just the other. Next on the list. Moving on. <sighs> okay. Mother Gothel is the next one, is the next baddie. And so, this is one of those love to hate ones. This, I mean, she's very charismatic. Oh, and so manipulative. She's but, so nasty. Yes, but in the end, she's very selfish. I mean, all the way from the get-go. Selfish all the way. And Oh, like, I see two beautiful women in smear. Oh, well, oh, look, there's me. and then you know, Or whatever. I see a gorgeous, beautiful young woman. Oh, and look, you're here too. That's she's, stuff. She's like the queen of the underhanded. Oh, my this, gosh. You know. This this will help you realize how much you actually do love these villains. Because they're horrible. And you just they're so entertaining. Because they're so awful. Oh, she's so she's because she's so roundabout. You just underhanded, oh, nasty. Yeah. I don't know who's worse, her or Frollo. Frollo is that same manipulative son of a gun that you know. But yeah, Mother Frollo Gothel. is kind of pervy. 
Oh, he was creepy, but the way he could manipulate Quasimodo, I mean... Yeah, he was a little more straightforward, Father's Day, I we think. might have to do a father figure, we'll include him. <laughs> I think he was a little more straightforward than Mother Gothel. But he was manipulating... Yes, whole he was thing. Oh, well, you're ugly and people will mistreat you. And yeah. the way he worked when you look at that song. But Mother Gothel is almost that same weight of keeping Rapunzel down and mm-hmm. to where she never feels like she needs to leave that tower. Yeah. So that's, that's Mother Gothel, just how evil she could be. But you gotta love the hater. Okay. Next. Next. Madame Medusa. One of the ugliest, nasty villains, I swear. She is, yes. Not not very pretty. And how horrible that you... How, who let her adopt that little girl anyway? Do you remember the little girls in the rescuer's name? Uh, we're having not a very good day with names, are we? I guess not. I'm so sorry. Uh, but you know, who let her adopt this child when she lives on a dilapidated old riverboat? Well, she lies. I mean, she's, yeah. she'll just have Has to lie Has two about alligators it. for pets mm-hmm. and forces the poor adopted girl to go down in a hole to find a diamond. Mm-hmm. Nasty. Yeah, she is. Nasty. Actually, that was one of the first uh, films that I saw on the big screen, as a matter of fact. The Rescue. Films, the Rescue. I haven't watched that long. You know what? I Even when I bought the Blu-ray that mm-hmm. has that one and down there, I don't think I've sat and watched the whole thing since I, I bought remember, it. I remember watching Again. it in the theater. I didn't get to see it till later. No. Uh, I checked out the videotape from the library. Once. We didn't go to the movies very often, but this one we did go to. Yep. So, next, uh, next one is Queen Nerissa, and that's from Enchanted. Yep, it's pretty much a Snow White Queen thing. It, it, it's, it it's, is. It's kind of like it's taking still Disney that, making fun of themselves. It's that classic princess thing with the twist, like we're gonna throw you yeah. into the real world. What, and was that Sigourney Weaver? No. no. They had somebody famous. I haven't watched Enchanted in such a long time. I can picture, I can picture her time. face, but I can't come up with her name. Yeah. We're just so bad about names today. Sorry, people. Yeah. Well, that's one of the ones Eric added to the list. Maybe he'd remember more. But I haven't seen Enchanted in a very long time. We do not own a copy of that one. No, it, it is a good one. It's not one of their best, but it's mm-hmm. a good one. It's just fun. It is fun. Uh, and it's very funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, oh, yeah, there was a nice evil queen in there. All right. Now, I, I only know so much about Malice, the evil version of Sue Storm from Marvel. I don't remember seeing her. I don't remember exactly how she comes about. But in the animated series from the 90s, they did deal with Malice. And it's Sue. Get, something happens with Sue, and she gets turned evil. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she she's still Sue, and she knows everybody's weaknesses and fights the, the remaining Fantastic Four. But that's all I remember. But she's still technically... We've, we've talked about her as a good mom, but she's got an evil side that has been brought out. Mm-hmm. So, And that's about all I can say about her. And uh, The next one we could probably talk about a little bit more, uh, being X-Men fans. So mm-hmm. Mystique... Who is the mother of Nightcrawler? An adopted, an adopted rogue. rogue. Yeah. So and forced she, Rogue to do a lot of evil things. Yes. Um, and then if you get it in the comics, you can read about you know how she kind of was one of the the bad guys and then switched to the good guys and I think she does her own thing either way. Well, I mean, there's a couple really of X Men that do guy. that anyway. She, yeah. But overall, good. She kind of goes back and forth. She's done some good, but she does some bad. She does mm-hmm. what she wants. Yeah. And I liked in the, in the films they have actually kept that pretty solid here mm-hmm. lately. You know, with her. Kind of playing both sides. She does what she wants to do. Mystique, a very, very interesting character. Yeah. So, yes. Yes. Alrighty. Mother Talzin. And we had to look Mother Talzin up. Because mm-hmm. uh, I, I forgot I forgot her name. But the Night Sisters from Star Wars The Clone Wars were led by the uh, the enigmatic and scary and kind of very, well, very scary, really, Mother Talzin. And apparently those, this is the mother of Asajj Ventress, the mother of Darth Maul and, and uh, Savage. Oppressed. Uh-huh. Uh, she was kind of like the mother. This is the whole planet. Uh, I can't remember the name of the planet. It's Dathomir, uh, and she was powerful. They, uh, she had a kind of a conflict between with Palpatine and the fact of 
her ways of using the Force were very different and very spell cast. And we, we got a whole different side of the Force through her, which I'd kind of like to see them maybe in the films, but I guess it's all going to be completely lost. But very, very scary. You do not mess with the Night Sisters. Let's we'll just put it like that. I'll take and your yeah. word for it. I haven't oh, yes. really delved into that. Although part of they the were Star all Wars. wiped out, mm. unfortunately, and so that's also what fuels Darth Maul's rage. Mm. As when he, he goes and finds out his all of his people are wiped out, his mother, his brother Savage is killed by uh, I think Palpatine. Yeah, Palpatine killed his brother, mm. so that that left Maul. He's mm. no longer quite a Sith. He's definitely strong on the dark side, but he's. He's all just about revenge on everyone who has hurt him. He's no longer with Palpatine, but oh yes. So mm. she is a very scary mother. So this one's a little blast from the past, but it's gotten a, a kind of a, a reboot or a redo, Ma Beagle. Yay! Of the Beagle Brothers. Yes. Beagle Boys. So I haven't watched the new uh, the new DuckTales. So I'm They're not, all on our DVR. <laughs> I'm not up on that, but I remember Ma Beagle being one of the fun, fun more fun villains and the Beagle Boys being more of the fun villains. I mean, of yeah. course, everything was fun with DuckTales anyway, yeah. but Ma Beagle was one of the more fun Kept villains. them three boys under control. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and it was still just, just as nasty a crook as they were. Oh, mm-hmm. yes, Ma Beagle. I can hear her voice in my head already. <laughs> And the final one on there, talking about your evil moms. They, oh. They're almost comical, but they're so horrible. Yes. From cool. Peace Dragon, Ma Gogan. Yep. And I, had they had they legally adopted Pete? They had legally, because she keeps throwing it in their face. Like, see, I got the paper for the boy. Yeah, He's I got mine. The paper. He's my boy. And they, yeah. uh, uh, golly, I haven't watched this in a while, but they wanted him for some purpose that Pete They just wanted him to work. Like, yeah. they just wanted him to be, like, their slave so they could be lazy and yeah. everything like that. And, horrible And be, be mean to him and stuff. So he keeps running away because they're horrible people, but then they'll drag him back and, and you know, anyway, they're yeah. just they're not pleasant at all. Yeah. So, but I guess in the in the newer Peach Dragon, they it would have been interesting to see the Gogans in there. But I, they did make it a more interesting backstory for Pete. I did kind of like that the, the having the car accident out in the woods and and being orphaned, and then Elliot finding him mm-hmm. was really really emotional. They're both good down. films. They're both good films. The, I like both. One is a little more serious, I think, than the other yeah, one. Is. The older one is is more fun. I yeah. mean, in my opinion, it's, you got a cartoon dragon. It's yeah. yeah, you got the fun musical version, and you've got the more serious, really adorable Elliot. Though he was yes. really kind of cute with some fuzz. They made they kept the the um the dragon, you know, Elliot being fine. Yep. The, but no Ma Gogan in that one. Yeah. But you know, we could oh, because well, they didn't call her Nora, but uh, you know, Bryce Dallas Howard's. She mm-hmm. was very motherly to Pete. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cameron, didn't she have a child of her own as well? I think she had a little girl. Yeah. That's how yeah, they yeah, kind of, yeah, yeah. the little boy and uh, Pete and them kind of meet. Yeah, yeah. So. so we'll we'll give her an honorary mention here as yep. being a good mom. I just mm-hmm. don't remember that character's name. But, you know, Bryce Dallas Howard. And it's she a is bad a day for herself. names, folks. So it's a, oh, I know it's Bryce com- Dallas Howard. Comment and then tell us. Sure, send names. Yeah, let, let us uh, set us straight there. Yep. But now <laughs> that we've had like a two-hour show, uh, I think it's time to wrap this up. Thank you for listening to the Neverland Podcast. We invite you back next week for more fun and adventure. Until then, remember to keep a pixie in your pocket. It's that young at heart, positive attitude that you can share with others. And remember to visit our website at NeverlandPodcast.com. There you can find links to our news page, our shop, our contact page, where you can easily send an email to podcast at NeverlandPodcast.com. You can also find our Neverlanders page, where you can find out how to become an official Lost Boy or Pixie, because girls are too clever to get lost. Become a real Neverlander! 
please feel free to leave us a voicemail at 816-226-6492. And be sure to follow us on Twitter at NeverlandPCast. And like our Neverland Podcast fan page on Facebook. We also have a group on Facebook for you to join. We also appreciate your support to keep the Neverland Podcast up and running. Visit patreon.com slash neverlandpodcast to donate to keeping the pixie dust alive. Copyright content featured on the Neverland Podcast is copyright of their respective creators and used under fair use license. All original content is copyright of Blue Band Productions and a very special thanks to Yeehaw Bob Jackson at yeehawbob.com for our new ending music. God bless! Yeah! Hello everybody, this is Yeehaw Bob Jackson. Neverland Podcast, we love you. Neverland Podcast, we love you. Neverland Podcast, it's true. Neverland Podcast, we love you.